Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. Well, it's the first episode of 2022 and we're in pre-season training trying to build up our fitness for the long season ahead. Here to help us separate the Angus Crichtons from the Stephen Crichtons and the Eliezer Katoas from the Sione Katoas, it's Wilf. Hey Joe, it's good to be back. Happy New Year everyone. And yeah, 2022, new new year, new me. I'm going to win Supercoach this year. Is that how it works? Put it out into the universe, mate, and who knows, you're at least a one in 140,000 chance of it happening. Look, if, if you got to be in it to win it, and I'm definitely going to be in it this year, so fingers crossed. Indeed, mate. Um, we have been pretty busy, though. Um, you know, unlike a lot of kind of podcasts, we're talking kind of pretty often because we're in a bunch of NFL uh, leagues together, mate. How have that? How have they gone? Give us a bit of a recap. Yeah, it's look. I won't lie; it's been a pretty rough NFL fantasy season for myself. But you know, one of the key highlights um, for we've talked about in the past the Top Sport NFL Charity Battle. It's the battle between Team Supercoach and Team NRL Fantasy. So, uh, you know, we've gotten a couple of updates along the way. Unfortunately, I missed finals. You made finals, but not quite the. You didn't make it all the way to the end. But one one guy who did that's the SC Whisperer. So Josh was. Look, he had a he had a really really good season, uh, you and know. a hugely controversial trade. Well, hugely <laughs> controversial. I didn't want to drop that in. There, <laughs> uh, the reality is, is he played it well. He took it all the way to the championship. So, congrats to him, and obviously to Team Supercoach because he is obviously part of our team. Defeating Ryan from Team NRL Fantasy right at the end, it was a pretty comfortable win in the end for him. So, yeah, it's great. Obviously, you know. Top Sport were super generous, two grand to charity and two grand to the Whisperer as well. And I hear um, from what I understand, he added another grand on top of that to his charity, 500 to, I think, another charity, perhaps the the losing, like Ryan's charity, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then he pocketed 500 for himself, which is fair enough, but no, super generous for Josh as well there. So yeah, no, look, great, great initiative from Top Sport. Uh, I, I felt it was great to be part of it. It's a pity we couldn't bring it home for the champions, but you know, fingers crossed we'll do it again next year and one of us will take it out. We finished, uh, yeah, we represented, we're in the top four. So only the top four of the 12 uh, went through to the playoffs. And yeah, I snuck in there, I think, as third or fourth, but um, just didn't have the cattle in the end. But um, we had a bunch of champion listener leagues too, mate. Yeah, so the main one we, we set up, uh, which I was in there as well, it was a pretty competitive league, uh, you know, considering some of the participants had only been playing uh, for one or two years. Some were literally trying NFL fantasy for the first time. So, yeah, we kind of kept it a, a more basic in some ways, but I thought it was really fun. So congrats to Steve, who is at SC, S Chalkies, I guess. I don't know how to pronounce that. Sorry, Steve, I butchered your handle, but uh, he took out the championship over William at Wazy number three. Uh, unfortunately, William also rolled me in the first round of playoffs after I think I had a pretty good season. I thought I was primed for a run for the championship, honestly. And, you know, I, you know when you get knocked out and then you keep your you keep tabs on the rest of the competition and you look at your scores compared to everyone else? Yeah, yeah I'm somewhat familiar with that, mate. Yeah, I do it all the time. And, and it's just frustrating when you don't feel like you should have lost, but then you did and you're out of the competition, but then your team outscores everyone else for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's kind of what happened in this league for me. So pretty rough one. But congrats again to Steve and William who, yeah, great seasons and came away with the W. 
But look, uh, how about you update us on the Young Legends Dynasty League? I think that's the the most exciting news for us here. Yeah, super quick one. Last bit of NFL uh, news before we get into the NRL stuff. Um, we're in a long-term uh, Dynasty NFL League with our friends from Supercoach Talk and a, and a bunch of other kind of SC players. Um, and I managed to take out the Young Legends Dynasty title uh, this year. Um, you and I both had fantastic teams. We we represented the uh, SC Champions podcast with the with the grand final, beating both Lakey and Wenon in the semis, which was you know delicious. Uh, and yeah, managed to take it out in the end, mate. It was an absolute uh, epic, wasn't it? It's a total roller coaster. I think it's interesting. We might talk about this a little bit more because I feel like, especially the last couple of weeks of the fantasy playoffs for NFL, we got a taste of what COVID's going to do to, uh, I think, our super coach for this year. Multiple players just dropping out on the day, the, you know, the, the week of or whatever, or you're watching COVID protocol lists uh, for players who might come on and come off the list and things like that. So that was all happening. I copped a couple of injuries. So coming into the final uh, you were clearly the favourite. Uh, your team was much stronger. But, uh, you know, after about two-thirds of the games, I'm looking at the scores going, oh, look, I'm in a good spot. So we play on this app called Sleeper, right? And they actually do score predictions and, and win percentages. And at one stage, I think, despite the fact that you were you started off, I think, like a 60%, 70% favourite pre-game, uh, at one point I was 99% favourite compared to your 1%. And I thought, look, this has gone too swimmingly. Something's about to go wrong. And unfortunately, it did because what happened at the end there? Uh, it was we needed Dalvin Cook. I needed him to score 10 points or less. You needed him to score 11 or more. And he, uh, I don't know whether it was spontaneous gastro on the field, uh, but he only ended up getting about five points, didn't he? And he's one of the absolute superstars of the NFL. So, um, yeah, mate, managed to take, the, uh, take out the cash. But look, I don't want to lord it over you too much. It was a really good season and everyone's here to listen to us talk about uh, the NRL. So I think let's get on with it. Well, I was going to say, I wanted to put in a bit of an NRL super coach kind of context there. So as you say, I needed Dalvin Cook who, you know, he was really one of the top three picks in most drafts at the start of the season in redraft. So for example, he might be, I think you compare him to someone like a Ryan Pappenhausen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, look, Ryan Pappenhausen, You'd say he probably needed to score me, you know, sixty points to win in a Supercoach uh, uh, matchup, and he dropped a thirty. That's kind of what happened in this final here, as I lost. So it's pretty rough. Uh, it's pretty disappointing. No, Fui Mayono taking uh, Dalvin Cook out high after twenty-two minutes in Magic Round, though, Wilf. No, it wasn't quite that. He made it through the whole game, although he kind of, I, I guess, they gave him an early shower right with the game well and uh, well out of control for the Vikings. And yeah, look. It was pretty rough. I, I, I did have hope. And as they say, it's the, kind of the hope that kills you, isn't it? It is, mate. It's the hope that kills you for sure. But look, I promise not to mention it more than 10 times uh, in the next couple of months. That's okay. Look, that's the point of winning, right? You get the chance to lord it over everyone you beat, including the one, the guy you record a podcast with regularly, uh, you know, chat to regularly and whatever. So yeah, look, if 10 times is all I hear of it, I think that's pretty good for me. Yeah, that that, that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so firstly, I mean, this is the off-season. Uh, it's still pre-season, as you say, we're getting into... It's the first episode of 2022. We're eventually going to get into a bit of a rhythm and hopefully start coming to you weekly before, obviously, we get into our regular season scheduling. 
Um, look, I'm still keeping it pretty casual. I'm having a drink here right now. Are you? Do you have a beverage in hand on your end? Uh, I'm being sensible. I've, I've been beveraging a little bit too often uh, since New Year's, so just got a water, mate. Too too sensible. Well, I am enjoying an a GeForce IPA from the Slipstream Brewing Co., a local brewery in Brisbane. So you got to support local. And look, I'm bringing it up because I feel like you know a, a cold beer um, at the end of a day after you're relaxing. Tastes good, but I feel like there's something when you pay a little bit less. I feel if you've if you've overpaid for something, underpaid for something, it does impact your enjoyment of it, right? I feel like a beer that you've gotten a discount sale on, and it, it seems to taste a little bit better than if you pay full price for it. Is that just me? Oh, it totally is. And as a bulldog supporter, it's not a taste that I've had for a very long time. Uh, seeing someone that we've signed for cheap uh, go very, very well. But uh, I'm not sure that you're in the same uh, camp with the Broncos, mate. I don't know about that. I feel like, <laughs> you know, when you pay someone a million dollars or thereabouts and you're expecting some premium quality stuff out of them and they don't quite deliver that, it, it often leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But let's move on. But, you know, that's a really, really poorly executed segue into our topic for today, which is looking at some of the overpriced or underpriced players uh, for the upcoming 2022 season. Obviously, we're looking at this through the team picker which um, is available for the gold subscribers or, or if you know if you happen to be subscribed to the Telegraph or Courier Mail or whatever, you'll have access to this. If not, you just have to be, more, be a bit more patient. I think the game usually unlocks and is open for everyone around about Australia Day. It's only a couple of weeks off, but yeah, so working off those prices, which is available to everyone. We're going to break it up into two episodes. So today we're looking at the hooker position the front row forward position and also the second row forward. So the, the, the guys in the middle, really. So let's start off with the um, t- players that might leave you with a sour taste in the mouth, the overpriced players for 2022. Uh, you want to kick us off at the hooker position here? Yeah, sure. And, you know, this taps into not only the sour taste in the mouth, but obviously talking about buying local. Billy Walters at the Broncos, um, 296K. He is handy with the dual position hooker 5.8. 33.8 average is priced out, which mostly off his um, his 2020 season when he you know started well with the with the Tigers. In the running to start at 5.8, you've got to imagine um, being the coach's son probably helps that out. But I don't know if the talent's there even to justify kind of a low to mid-30s average, mate. Yeah, and I think that's why we kind of flagged him as potentially overpriced. I know it sounds weird, but he being priced at 33.8 average, he only played two games last year and still only uh, averaged 31.5. So that's why it's a little bit confusing why he normally, you know, when he when you play two games at a 31.5 average, you're expecting a bit more of a discount and being even cheaper. So that's why I'm saying maybe the 2020 season's factored into this, hence why they've still priced him above what he scored in 2021. But as you say, I mean, at that price tag, though, even though he's technically overs on what he's, you know, produced on the field most recently, he probably is still worth it given it's pretty cheap and that hooker 5 eighth dual positioning, I think most people are looking for a cheap hooker or a cheap backup 5 eighth. and if he's starting at 6 uh, for the Broncos, it's going to be hard to say no. Look, possibly, um, you know, the redeeming qualities that he's got is that he's got Adam Reynolds giving him the ball. So at least he'll have a lot of early ball, um, a la Cody Walker. Um, I'm just not sure that he'll be able to do anything like what Cody Walker 
can with it as well. Um, another kind of running 5-8 type utility, um, we've got to talk about at the hooker position, who is also a dual hooker 5-8. Connor Watson, mate, back at the Roosters, where, where he broke through first grade of full you know, a few years ago, not going to be a starter in the full strength 17, you don't imagine, but um, 515k is probably overs for a guy that a lot of us had in their teams last year. Yeah, and it's pretty rough because obviously, you know, it can be easy if you've not looked at, you know, if you've not looked at the team list properly, if you're just looking at the averages and things like that, 58.8 average, which is what he's priced at. He played 24 games last year, but, you know, new team. Back to the Roosters where he was really, uh, a lot of the time, he was uh, just that bench utility. And the word is that's going to be his role. I mean, I can't see him starting at six or, or anywhere else. I can't either. That I would say, though, that, you know, I mean, the whole of the Roosters team has proven fairly injury prone, but Sam Verrills um, himself can't really stay fit. So if Connor Watson's the man in waiting there, Verrills is obviously suspended uh, round one, which makes, you know, picking Watson in your team pretty problematic because he probably will get that start in round one. You know, I guess there's a chance later on if he's if he's got if he's dropped in price because he's had a few twenty minute cameos off the bench. If Verrills does hurt himself again, I don't think Verrills has had an injury for a year ever uh, in the NRL or even in the twenties. So yeah, um, one maybe for later because certainly he's got the talent. But at five fifteen k, he's a massive void. Yeah, and that's you laid it out the the traps there because he's going to probably be named at nine starting in round one, and it's because Verrills won't be there. And, you know, full strength, I think Verrills is definitely the, still the better hooker, but as you say, it's his body, and it's it's weird and wacky parts of his body that seem to, you know, get injured. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, detached retina and stuff like that. It's serious stuff, obviously, but you just don't expect it from, from a footy player. So, yeah, definitely... Definitely a bit of a question mark there. So, look, finding overpriced players is actually quite hard generally. Uh, you know, we're probably going to spend a lot more time on underpriced players, so we'll get to that. Moving to the front row forward position, look, I'm going to throw it out there straight away. Isaiah Papali'i, obviously, you know, massive, massive 2021. Uh, we all loved him um, eventually. <laughs> Some of us took longer than others, but <laughs> he's priced at 688100 Front row forward, second row forward, dual position. Obviously, yeah, like I said, career season. He did have seven tries and three tries, which are not numbers you normally associate for, you know, someone who rotates between the edge and the middle. And, you know, I, I think you probably would recall I, I complained about one or two of those tries where, you know, he's throwing an offload after sucking in two or three defenders, but the offload's about, you know, 40 metres out from the line and then the player who gets the ball does a heap and a heap of work basically and he still gets tries line break assist, so stuff like that. And, and, you know, the last little bit there that really rings some alarm bells, obviously he finished the season playing prop and, you know, he scored 54.7 average from 58 minutes point per game during that three-game stretch. So obviously it depends where he's going to be named. I expect him to probably start on an edge for 2022. But, yeah, there's a lot of red flags and I, I, I just can't at the price tag justify starting with him. So I'm going to say he's overpriced and he's, is going to end up at a much more affordable price at some point. No, Isaiah, what you want to do is not select Papali'i. You want to look for the next Papali'i um, and jump on because, you know, they do happen every year, maybe not to the extent where they turn into the best second rower in the game for a while, 
but uh, inevitably someone will flash that you can jump on. Um, you know, it used to be a super coach commandment, you know, not buying someone after they've had a career year, which largely has uh, has stayed true, that kind of wisdom. Um, yeah, massive overs for me, just given how he ended the season. Um, a guy you've got down in the front row, mate, is, is I've got to be honest, he was a guy that came through with TPJ at the Broncos, and I thought that they were the same level of talent player, and I was really expecting him to kick on Herman SASA, but he just hasn't, has he? No, and it's it's disappointing because he he'd certainly had a lot of talent. I mean, let, let's be real. He was never won, never really on the Pangai level, so I don't know what you're on about there, but <laughs> um, that's probably more because Pangai is a freakishly tan- talented player. Just, uh, you know, he's got some other issues he needs to sort out. But, yeah, back to Herman. I mean, yeah, the fall from Grace is just massive. He's... Only priced at 315600 He's got that dual position in the front row, second row forward. Technically priced at a 36 average, but I'm saying he's overs because he only scored 12.7 points per game in 2021 in the three games he did play. And that the, those three games were pretty disappointing. And I think he got sent off in one of them, which obviously contributes to that poor average. But yeah, he couldn't even make the top 17 for the Titans. So... Yeah, well and truly overs and probably not relevant at all because I can't see him being selected, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's more of a name at this point and, and the sad thing is he's not even much of a name. So um, going from one guy who's not much of a name at the Titans to a guy who very much is a name, David Fafita, um, had a career year, obviously, um, in the second row again, but gee, was frustrating to own, wasn't he? Well, it just depends. Like he was fine for the first nine or so rounds right yeah like when he was playing basically 80 minutes but for maybe sometimes when he had to go off the field for a HIA or whatever you know injury wasn't really an issue for him and and those games I mean geez he averaged 98.8 over the first um you know rounds one to 12 with a couple of rounds in there missed so just incredible numbers I mean in that stretch he has 147 153 low score of 60 uh, which, you know, you never saw that type of number from from David Feeder in the past and his tackle busts were off the charts. He'd found an offload just, and you know, two hat tricks. Like these are just freakish, freakish numbers. I mean, wingers, many wingers in the NFL, NRL never score a hat trick in their career. And this guy is an edge backer who does it twice in the space of three games. Just freakish talent right yeah. <laughs> can't really say much more apart from that he had a bit of the um you know sometimes i'll go down a youtube rabbit hole of like mike tyson fights or something and you watch his early fights and his opponents just want to get out of the ring they want to collect their purse get knocked out as quick as they can and then just move on anything to not face this this young mike tyson guy that's what left side centers that look in their eye. I've seen that look before from those YouTube videos uh, when Fafita was running. It was like a young Mike Tyson. He was just absolutely uh, just couldn't be handled. So, but, you know, he's he's got, uh, you know, work ethic problems, you know, base um, stats have never been there. And, you know, his coach was pretty openly critical of, of his work rate and, and his mental game. So, yeah, hard to think that, you know, we're talking about Papali earlier, same thing applies, you know, picking a guy after a career year. He's just well overpriced for mine. But before we move on, I do want to touch a little bit more on that because, you know, on on the surface, I kind of think, yeah, there's no way he's going to score tries at the rate that he did. And that's why I think on the surface, yeah, you're going to say he's overs. 
I mean, again, you know, in the first 12 or 10 or so games, he's scoring, he's got like nine tries basically. But then you look at his second half of the season in the remaining 11 games, and this is him mixing up, you know, I think he played one 80-minute game and the rest of it he's, he's got like 30, 40-minute games off the bench. Later on he's playing 50 minutes after, you know, he comes on after the first 25 and then plays out the game. And, you know, in the, some of those games he's scoring 31 uh, just in base, and as you say, that that points to his poor worth ethic. There was the chat about his you know, his attitude. There's some chat about him not being happy. Talk about him being injured, carrying a rib injury as well, and things like that. So, the truth of it, we probably won't ever know. I mean, I read an article recently saying he was impacted by the rib injury. He was, you know, carrying it for multiple weeks. He was getting needled up before playing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Look. I'll take that all with a grain of salt. And, and throughout, throughout all of that, he's still scoring. I think he, he wasn't quite one try a game, but he was pretty close to it. Sometimes coming off the bench, he was still just as effective. So in, in a sense, you know, he averaged 72.5 across the final 11 games, only playing 56.5 minutes. So there is an argument here. If he goes back to a full 80-minute role and as, you know, he's so allegedly training the house down. Uh, I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and if he does actually get that fitness sorted and he's going to play 80 minutes, then what we say is overs at the moment could actually be spot on pricing, if not even unders, if he can keep the scoring going in terms of the tries, but also get his minutes to 80 minutes every week. Scary thought, isn't it? It is a bit of a scary thought, mate. Um, the other guy will be quick uh, with him, Raymond Fatala Mariner, been a lot of our sides. One of those guys who you kind of get halfway through the season and you go, wow, hang on, he's one of the top second rows in, in Supercoach. But he's priced at 411700 which is a 47 average. He's Injury prone, he only played the two games in 2021 uh, for 31 and a half points per game. So he's pretty well priced. We know what he's done in the past, but he strikes me as a trap. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance he might not even be named in the top 17 to start round one. So I definitely wouldn't go anywhere near him. And and unfortunately, he's been priced really roughly. I was interested when I first, first thought like, yeah, two games, 31.5 average, give him a bit of discount for not playing and you know, if he's coming in at 250,000, then I'll jump all over that, but not at 411,700, which is, yeah, like, as you say, a 47 average. So, yeah, no thanks there. And, you know, there's probably a few other overpriced options that we haven't really dug into, but a lot of it's going to depend at the end of the day, you know, after the preseason when we're getting an idea of trial, team lists, final 17s, the makeup of benches, and things like that. So, we'll probably unpack that later in the preseason. So we'll probably leave that there. Um, let, let's take a bit of a quick break. Happy New Year's from our friends over at Manscaped. The ball is officially dropped, but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls. It's time you bring sexy back into 2022 and step up your game with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to help them ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Go to manscaped.com and use the code CHAMPIONS for 20% off plus free shipping. It's a new year, new you, and a new you means no pubes. 
Uh, it's time to ramp up your exercise and grooming routine this year for maximum gains. A six-pack is a great New Year's resolution, but how about a six-pack for your balls? The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 contains six essential tools for the ultimate below-the-waist grooming routine. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0, the electronic trimmer, electric trimmer designed to trim your hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight. It'll shine a light to the promised land 2022 looks to be. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code champions at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code champions. Have no regrets this year with our friends at Manscaped. All right, so jumping over to the more exciting section, I think, here, looking at the underpriced players. So we're going to start off at the hookers. First name here is going to be probably, I feel like it's going to be one of the more controversial names that uh, is going to be looked at all preseason. Cam McInnes, so hooker, dual position with the second row, uh, 535400 basically priced at a 61 average. Obviously, you know, no surprise there that he did his ACL at the start of 2021, missed all of that season, and now he's changed clubs over to the Sharks. So, I mean, look, he was an absolute beast in 2020, averaged 76.3. But, you know, he averaged pretty much 80 minutes a game, mostly playing hooker, even though, you know, he had eight games where he started at, at lock, starting at 13 with Ben Hunt at nine, and he'd rotate the hooker for some of the game, or there'd be games where he'd start at the hooker position, Ben Hunt comes off the bench at nine, and then McInnes moves to lock, and then moves back to hooker later. So it's it's a bit muddy, I guess you could say, how exactly his scores broke down. I think the fact is, at the Sharks, he's not going to get 80 minutes. I think, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And, and while you were talking, I just had to look up how old he was. And he's only 27. I, I, f- I feel like if I had to guess, I was going to say about 31. Um, he's got a lot of miles, <laughs> um, a lot of miles in the legs and, and on the face. You don't lo- you don't actually age a year every- for every tooth you lose, right? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, he, he'd be retired otherwise, right? Um, uh, the Sharks are, are a real wild card. You know, who knows with Fitzgibbon coming in? Um, what they're going to be like. They were a pretty competent bunch in the early parts of the year and, again, uh, towards the later parts of the year. I just don't see it. Yeah, look, he, he, he's previously been a premium option or at least an A-minus option uh, behind your Damien Cooks of the world. But 535, even with the very useful dual positioning, I just think that that's overs for me. Because 61 average, like if that's his price tag, it's not not super cheap, honestly. Like he could very well just deliver a 60 average. And and if he's playing 60, 65 minutes as a starting lock, you know, I, I'm actually not as concerned about the ACL in terms of his performance. And and again, you know, I'll defer always to NRL physio from his analysis here. But my understanding is that it's the outside backs who struggle more in the first 12 months after coming back. And it's usually for them the 18 to 24 month mark where the outside backs get a lot of the acceleration explosiveness which they need as an outside back to be able to perform at peak performance. For the forwards, I mean, they're not exactly counting on their speed, basically. I mean, I, know, I do know McInnes relies a bit on his mobility, but it's not like explosive mobility, as if you get what I'm saying. So I think he's actually going to come back pretty well from this ACL injury. I just wonder if round one, you know, he's going to get eased back into things, if he doesn't really get much game time during the trial. So still a lot of moving parts, still a lot of questions I think will get answered, but... 
on paper, I think, yeah, he's definitely underpriced as to whether that's, that's actually from round one. I have a feeling you might better pick him up in round five or six, potentially at a very similar price tag to what he is now. But that's going to be when he start ramp, starts, you know, building to bigger minutes and, you know, a, a more effective work rate as well. Yeah, and look, we've got him in the under section and we've kind of now been talking him down. Look, he was a beast in 2020, 76 average. He's not going to play the same amount of minutes, yes, but that's a 15-point difference off of what he's priced at. So I'm with you in thinking that he might have a bit of a slower start to the year, certainly as he builds up to fitness, having not played for 12 months. By then, he'll be a bit more familiar um, and the combinations will start to build um, with Nico Hines, etc. Um, so for me, he's if, if he gets a, a decent start, you can always bring him in as a round three before the prices change. But I, I tend to think he's just that little bit risky at, at the premium price to, uh, to gamble on from round one. Jumping to our second name here that I've got here is Ruben Cotter. Uh, same dual position, hooker, second row forward. Just 381,400, which is basically a 43.5 average. In 2021, he played six games and averaged 48.1, so he's not exactly you know hugely underpriced. But um, it's worth noting that in those six games, he was partially, you know, there's a couple of injury-affected games, games off the bench. He had three games where he played 50-plus minutes, and, and in those three games, some of them was as, as the starting lock, which is the potential position he's going to take with uh, Tamalolo, a chance of moving to prop. And, yeah, I mean, when he started and played 50-plus minutes, he averaged 57.3 from a, an average of 55.3 minutes per game. So I am... I mean, if he's if he's named at thirteen round one, I I can see him in my team basically. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm all around it. I think Tamalolo's just lost that little bit of explosiveness and maybe a little bit of desire that that you know made him the superstar that he was. I think a, a move to props perfect because it's lower minutes um, and really he's just not doesn't have that same lateral movement um, that those big minute kind of playing lock locks have anymore. So, yeah, Ruben Cotter for me, if I was the Cowboys coach, I would look to have him in the 13. And if he's in the 13 round one, he'll definitely be in the surge busters. Yeah, I agree. And I think especially with the way uh, a lot of the teams started moving things around in 2021, I mean, he Cotter was a, a hooker basically. So, you know, he can pass the ball and, Having someone like that in the middle of third uh, and, and obviously a smaller guy, a bit more mobile, but can still handle that defensive workload, I think he's perfect for the kind of modern 13 that, you know, he's not quite Victor Radley or whatever like that, but he's along that mould. So I, I do think the Cowboys will benefit from having him at 13 instead of Lolo. Yeah, and another, uh, I guess, oh, he probably won't play hooker though, will he? Um, but is a hooker centre wing uh, option here, Adam Kieran? Mate, what was your thoughts in putting him down? Look, it's it's purely if he's going to be named to play centre, basically. So long story short, I mean, there's two backline spots up for grabs with Josh Morris and Brett, Brett Morris no longer there for the Roosters. And, you know, Kieran played in the back end of the season uh, at at center, and I thought he did pretty well. Surprisingly, like I, you know, he he's he's gone from being a halfback to a bench utility, playing hooker, as well as playing some outside back, playing in the centers. So that's where he might slot in. I mean, he played thirteen games, and and he's priced at three hundred twenty thousand four hundred, which is equivalent to a thirty six point five average, and that's obviously what he did score in twenty twenty one. 
But as I mentioned, you know, six games off the bench, two starting hooker, five as starting center. And in that uh, five games, he still, you know, he got hurt one game and he played 11 minutes. So looked at the other four games where he played 80 minutes at center. He averaged 57.5 points per game. He's obviously a dead eye with that goal kicking. All I know is that he uh, really knocked the shine off Takiyaho, who I'd uh, penciled in <laughs> for a few goal-kicking points in 2021, mate. But um, probably the worst-case scenario with Kieran as an option is that if he gets the nod to replace Verrills in round one, um, then he'd absolutely be a no-go. Um, to your point, it'd have to be the starting centre to be an option. Exactly. And, and you know, he's one of like five names basically, uh, you know, vying for two spots effectively. And I guess one thing he does have to his credit is, you know, he performed pretty well at the back end of the last year and he's a dead eye with that goal kicking. So the, the Roosters struggled with a steady goal kicker all last year. So having someone like that on the field playing 80 minutes could be pretty handy for them. So that might get him the nod, but we'll have to see. A couple of other names here, Aaron Clark, Tana Boyd, Jaden Sullivan, who obviously we've had a chat about already this year. You know, these are all subject to final team lists. Um, you know, Clark and Boyd, both from the Titans, both in line to start at hooker for them in round one, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I honestly, Tana Boyd is one of the worst footballers in the NRL. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, Boyd family, but um, someone's got to be the worst. And I think your boy's drawn the short straw. Um, just a classic, like, I don't think he takes the field without doing something mind-meltingly stupid uh, every game, and he just doesn't seem to learn from it. So, yeah, I, I, I think Aaron Clark's a far better option there, and and probably both of them compromise each other if Tanner Boyd's going to be on the bench playing kind of, you know, 30 minutes and, and Aaron Clark 50. So no go for me, but Jaden Sullivan's very interesting, obviously. Yeah, definitely. So it just comes down to whether he gets a starting spot or not. And, you know, I'm sure we'll keep close eye on that. Moving to the front row forward positions. So, I mean, Lindsay Collins, we've kind of already talked about him uh, in, in recent weeks as well. He's front row forward only 462,900. So that's priced at a 52.8 average. Played only six games last season, averaged 58.7 before doing his ACL. Um, and that, you know, 58.7 in just 46.2 minutes per game. He was so the really best high. prop in the comp. He was the best prop in the comp. It was really, he was playing so well, wasn't he? Absolutely. Out of his skin and then all of a sudden that ACL goes. And, yeah, I mean, that was devastating, obviously, you know, not, not just for Roosters fans but also for Queensland fans because, I mean, at, at one point I was paranoid that we'd have to, you know, <laughs> bring back Cohen Hess to play in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, like we said, you know, the ACL injury is not ideal. Um, but like what I just said before, uh, when talking about Cam McInnes, you know, he's less likely to be impacted. I think it just comes down to minutes, and you know, that wrist pack. You know, Warrior Hargraves, another year older, and Taka Ahu, apparently off to the Super League next, like twenty twenty three. So you got to wonder: is he just going to get less and less minutes this year? Or you know, there's a few moving parts there. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of moving parts, who knows what's going on for Tigers, mate? You've got Zane Musgrove down. He's he's kind of flashed uh, as a cheapie uh, and and probably more of a fringe cheapie. He's at two sixty five, which is kind of in the mid price cheapie zone. Price at a thirty point two average. Are you confident that he'll get the minutes, mate? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, I mean, you know, he played five games, so he's got an inbuilt 
discount baked into his price tag. He averaged 37.8 in those five games. As you said, he did flash a little bit. He scored 61 points in 41 minutes in one of his five games, and that's basically 55 points in base and base attack in 41 minutes, and then a couple of, there must have been like a try contribution or something like that. But yeah, he's got, you know, he's got a lot of ability, uh, a little bit questionable off the field and whatnot. But you know, like I said, if if we don't get the cheapies, which there's a there's a real chance we don't get them because of COVID. Um, and how many players debuted last year? So we'll have to, you know, wait and see. But you know, beggars can't be choosers, and and there's a chance that we might need to look at a Zane Musgrove if he's getting, you know, if he's starting. Yeah, and that touches on something I really wanted to bring up as a point in more depth in future episodes is that because of what happened last year with COVID. I really question the viability of a guns and rookies strategy. I think you just have to have more depth. I mean, we were kind of lucky that everyone, everyone's team was obliterated uh, in t- at times last year, but I just think it's much more sensible to build in, um, you know, a lot more mid-ranges because people will be dropping out uh, a lot more frequently, certainly with uh, what's going on, you know, with COVID now and in the next couple of months. So, you know, that rookie that you've got there to accumulate a hundred grand because he's he's kind of getting 25, 30 points a game. Um, you don't want to be putting him in year 17 in the first five or six rounds of the year. I'd much rather go for a Zane Musgrove type option. So at least you're getting that 40 to 45. Um yeah, something I want to do a bit more research on and, and come back with some data in future episodes, but that's certainly a strategy I'll be pursuing. Yeah, and it's hard because, and just I guess we might as well go down that rabbit hole for a little bit here, just because we don't know what the rule changes are going to be. We don't know what the potential new setups there might be. I mean, we're just kind of hanging out for Sangster to let us know on what what's going to happen there, but you know, I get the feeling there might be looking at, you know, a COVID kind of replacement player option or something like that, or, or maybe extended squads or, yeah, I, mean, I don't know the ins and outs exactly. I don't have any inside goss at this stage, but I have the feeling that something's going to change. It's going to be to help us manage COVID uh, impacted players. And I kind of get the feeling we're just going to need as much depth as possible. So, you know, we're, we're going to hold off until we find out a bit more information before we dive too deep into the strategy side of things there but it's definitely rest assured we're going to spend time chatting about that for sure indeed mate so second row couple of uh you know borderline cheapies uh into the mid-range uh highlighted by jeremiah nanai 343,700 price at a 32 39.2 average but he averaged 49 over the four games last year yeah, and, and he's another one of those guys from the Cowboys, which I just I thought he showed a lot of promise right at the end. Uh, him and Helium Hel- Hel- Lukey uh, I thought were really promising at the back end. So it just, for me, like the signing of Lucy Leilua really made little sense uh, for 2023. But that's, a, that's another, that's a discussion for another day. Um, but yeah, like I just thought Nanai, you know, he, he definitely showed his ability and it was only in four games, so yeah, maybe it was just a small sample. But yeah, if he's going to get picked and he's starting somewhere, like at three forty three seven seven hundred, I, I definitely would be all over that. But yeah, one for just to you know keep in, keep tabs on the name and see what happens with preseason. Basically, isn't that the classic? You know, uh, eighteen months interest free. Buy now, pay later. Lucy Leilua, twenty twenty three. 
<laughs> you know, like impulse buy, uh, absolutely not needed. But hey, that's that's future future uh, cowboys problem. You know, we'll pay for him later, but we get to announce him now. It's just, it just. It's just another example of how messed up our NRL contract situation is where you can't announce players for the following contract year until after the 1st of November or whatever. Mm. But, you know, they're talking to them outside <laughs> outside that time frame. So come 1st of November, they're ready to go and I can announce these things. It just, yeah, boggles the mind. But look, I, I certainly don't have a perfect solution on how to best do it because I know, you know, Transfer windows sound good on paper, but there's also lots of issues around that as well. But yeah, that's, you know, we could spend all day talking about that. Uh, let's bring it back to Supercoach. And and one more name here, and, and very similar to Nana, I think Tuki Simpkins from the Tigers, 209,000, priced at a 23.8 average. He averaged just a shy under 30 in his five games. Uh, and look, I just think he's got a really Supercoach-friendly game. If he gets the minutes, he will definitely score well that's the feeling i get from what i've seen from him there are some potential minutes on offer obviously for that tigers pack you know there's a lot of i guess moving parts for them you know there's no clear established guys really aside from you know i guess stefano tokumanu really broke out the back end the last season not a name we've talked about yet today but i think yeah a name that a lot of people are interested in so no doubt we'll chat about him sometime leading up to Know, round one but you know aside from him Lucy Leilua for one more year and, and maybe Alex Twall uh, but I mean even him even he was coming off the bench at some stages for the Tigers so there's opportunity for guys to establish themselves I mean there's a lot of chat that he actually like Tukey Simpkins might actually be a much better option at lock compared to you know what they've tried in 2021 so you know if that is that if that actually plays out then yeah, all over that at obviously 209,000 so again another name just write it down keep an eye on what happens here for his training and all that type of stuff and no doubt come closer to round one we'll have much more information about him there yeah tigers are the perfect you know be opportunistic and you know grab someone for a four or five game run until match changes things up again you know we saw the the people who did so well out of Adam Dway here when he had that mid-season stint at, at 58 then he kind of fell off a cliff when he went to center and and then through injuries popped back into 58 later on but but Madge is even worse with his um his middle and edge rotations um they're all over the shop but generally you can get a solid three four five game block where he he kind of runs with something before he changes it and just be opportunistic if uh Simpkins gets the 13 or you know looks like he's starting to get you know good minutes jump on and then when that changes in a few weeks time just factor that in that that's what Madge does. He cycles people in and out all the time um, and move on. Yeah, and, and, you know, not just Simpkins, but like Sean Plaw we saw have a bit of a stretch where he was starting on the edge playing 80 minutes as well before he kind of faded out there. So a few other names, obviously, for the Tigers to, you know, keep an eye on. But, you know, as you said before, you don't want to buy Isaiah Papali'i after his 2021 and 2022. You want to find the 2022 version of Isaiah Papali'i. So, Guys like Tuki Simpkins are probably the ones that you want to keep an eye on in case he does have the opportunity to establish himself off the bench and absolutely brain it and earn that starting spot and just, you know, not look back from there, basically. Wise words, mate. Wise words. 
All right. So I think that's a good place to stop. As we said, you know, hooker, front row forward, second row forward, you know, as this preseason uh, develops a bit more, these names might not be as relevant or they may be even more relevant. So we just wanted to throw some names out there for you guys to have a think about. Uh, we'll come again for part two of this little, I guess, topic, I guess you could say, where we look at the the remaining positions and we'll again look at the overpriced, underpriced players from the other spots. And yeah, we'll, like I said, we'll settle into potential uh, weekly release soon. And then as, as we build up closer to uh, round one, we'll settle into our regular scheduled programming as always. But uh, yeah, again, thanks for joining us in the off season. Hope you're all staying safe and obviously a lot going on in the world at the moment. So definitely make sure you're staying healthy as well. We will yeah, definitely be chatting with you guys again soon. See you guys. Happy New Year.